Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ellen. And I'm the funny host, Katie. Hey, I'm... Actually, no. Your 18 wins to my 9 in our game of puns of anarchy pretty much say that I can't argue with you. (laughs) There's a reason you write the snark. Well, I mean, I gotta bring something to the table aside from my massive sex appeal. (laughs) That was a fun game, though. (laughs) It really was. But let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we discussed Chapter 4, The Leaky Cauldron, and its corresponding film scenes. The movie condensed three weeks into one day. Forget the pea soup, Harry was nearly consumed by a book. Ron and Hermione are very passionate, but not very conscientious pet owners. Fred and George are still the best, worst big brothers. Mrs. Weasley is still hashtag mom goals. And Mr. Weasley's warning was hard to concentrate on with crazy Gary Oldman stealing the show. During episode 41, Harry Homicidal Hardback, our Potter pondering was, what did you think about the way the movie portrayed the monster book of monsters? I was pretty much completely outnumbered on this one. Basically, everyone liked it. Not that I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but both Diana and Carly loved it, and thought it was basically exactly what they imagined. Max didn't think they were violent enough, but other than that, everyone else did really like it. Kristen also said it was almost exactly how she pictured it, though she would have added a little more fur. Jackson thought the teeth were a bit weird, but overall that it was really good. Brittany said it completely fit the type of thing that Hagrid would send to Harry, thinking it was funny. She thought the book described something too fancy for what she thought. Like I said, it's not that I didn't like it. I just thought the contrast of a fancy-looking book turned homicidal hardback was really entertaining. Yeah, but the hairy homicidal hardback was even more entertaining. That seems to be the consensus. Unless you are Max and wanted more violence. But thank you all for sharing your opinions. Our trivia question last week was... What was the name of the magical instrument shop in Hogsmeade that Ron says they can get the sneakoscope checked at? When the trio realize the sneakoscope is lighting up for no apparent reason, Ron says they can get it checked out in Hogsmeade at Dervish and Bangs. I think it's Banjis. I always said Bangs. That's what he says in the audiobook. Since he's British, I would assume... Banjis? Yeah. Yeah. Banjis, Bangs... Whatever the fuck you want, that was the answer. Congratulations goes to Jackson Miller, our very first Australian winner. We knew he'd end up winning one of these, and he did. He swept in and cut off Dave's streak by literally seconds. Man, great work, Jackson. Dave blames getting caught up listening to the raffle description for his loss. Wah, wah. Speaking of the raffle, Jackson was also the very first person to email us and get officially entered into the raffle. Just as a reminder, we will be raffling off a set of wooden letters cut in the Harry Potter font. They spell out the word magical, which has seven letters, meaning one for each book cover. 
You can see a picture of them on our social media accounts. In addition to the letters, we will also throw in some Just Keep Rolling swag. Yep, so check out the rules pinned to the top of our Facebook page and send us an email at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you want to enter. And you have to do that to let us know you want to enter. Even if you've already completed some of the actions, you got to contact us or we won't put you in automatically. Say they still count, you just have to let us know that you did it. Right. You can also send us a message through Facebook instead if you rather do that. Just make sure to let us know you want to be entered. We will be drawing the winner live on Instagram on Saturday, August 22nd. Thanks to everyone who has entered so far. And if you're not on Instagram, we will post the winner on Twitter and Facebook as well as contact you. So you're not going to miss it if you win and aren't on Instagram. But follow us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That being said, let's just keep rolling into the first half of Chapter 5, The Dementor, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 5, The Dementor, Part 1 Tom wakes Harry with his usual toothless grin and a cup of tea. Harry gets an unwilling Hedwig back into her cage when Ron enters his room, annoyed from dealing with Percy. Harry starts to tell Ron what he overheard last night, but they are interrupted by Fred and George, who want to congratulate Ron for upsetting Percy again. They all head down to breakfast to find Mr. Weasley reading the Daily Prophet and Mrs. Weasley telling Hermione and Ginny about a love potion she made as a girl. Harry decides to just tell him later. They get all loaded up in the ministry cars and ride to King's Cross Station. Mr. Weasley keeps Harry very close by and takes him through the barrier first. The rest of the Weasleys follow behind them, and they get all of their luggage stowed on the train. They go back outside to say goodbye to Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, and Mr. Weasley asks to speak to Harry for a moment. He leads him behind a pillar and starts to tell him about Sirius Black, but Harry cuts him off to admit that he overheard him and Mrs. Weasley talking about it last night. Mr. Weasley doesn't like that is how Harry found out, but Harry tells him that it's okay. This way he knows, and Mr. Weasley didn't have to break his word to fudge. Mr. Weasley thinks that Harry must be very scared, but Harry explains that he really isn't, because he figures that Sirius Black can't be worse than Voldemort. Mr. Weasley flinches at the name, but overlooks it. He starts to say that he's glad Harry isn't scared, but Mrs. Weasley calls to him that the train is about to leave. Mr. Weasley rushes to make Harry promise that he won't go looking for Black. Harry asks why he would go looking for someone he knows wants to kill him, but before he can get an actual response, he has to run to the train to get on. He tells Ron and Hermione that he needs to talk to them, and Ron tells Ginny to go away. She huffily stalks off and the trio head to a mostly empty compartment, except for a shabby-looking man sleeping in the corner, looking ill and exhausted. Ron wonders who he is, and Hermione says it's Professor R.J. Lupin, which was printed on his case. They figure he must be the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, since that's the only vacancy. There are rumors the job was cursed, as their other teachers only lasted one year. Ron hopes that he's up to it, since he looks like one good hex will finish him off, but then changes the subject, asking what it is Harry has to tell them. Harry explains everything he overheard about Sirius Black escaping Azkaban to come after him and is a little surprised to see that they are taking the news worse than he did. As they are discussing his escape, they hear a faint whistling sound coming from Harry's trunk. Ron opens it and pulls out the sneakoscope, which was spinning and glowing. 
He assumes that it just doesn't work properly since it was a very cheap one, and Harry tells him to put it back in the trunk so they don't wake Professor Lupin. Ron stuffs it in a pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks to muffle the sound and closes it back in the trunk, saying they can get it tested in Hogsmeade at Dervish and Banjis. This starts a whole conversation about Hogsmeade, where Hermione is mostly interested in the history of the village, and Ron only cares about the sweet shop, Honeydukes. Harry sadly has to tell them that no one would sign his permission slip, and with Black on the loose he'll never be allowed to go. Hermione then lets Crookshanks out of his basket, which upsets Ron, because the cat immediately charges for him, scaring the lump in his pocket that is Scabbers. Ron shoves Crookshanks away, who eventually settles in an empty seat, and just stares at Ron's pocket. Eventually, the food cart arrives, and the trio try to wake Professor Lupin in case he's hungry. He doesn't stir, so they just buy their own food, and the witch says she'll be with the driver if he's hungry when he wakes. He isn't the best of company, but having him there has definite benefits, especially when Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle show up to mess with them. Malfoy calls them Potty and the Weasel, and taunts Ron for being poor. Professor Lupin gives a snort, and when Malfoy realizes that a teacher is in the compartment, he immediately leaves. As they journey on, Ron figures they must be nearly there, and the train begins to slow. Hermione checks her watch and says they can't be there yet, and as everyone is wondering why they are stopping and poking their heads out of their compartment doors, the lamps all go out, putting them in total darkness. Ron accidentally steps on Hermione's foot, and Neville shows up in their compartment, tripping over Harry's legs. He nearly sits down on Crookshanks, and Hermione tries to go ask the driver what is going on. Instead, she runs right into Ginny, who is looking for Ron. As chaos ensues, Professor Lupin finally wakes up and tells them all to be quiet. They all look at him and see he's holding a handful of flames as light fills the compartment. He tells them to stay where they are and heads for the door, but it opens before he reaches it, and a towering, cloaked figure fills the doorway. Its face is completely hidden by its hood, but its hand is grayish, slimy, and dead-looking. It draws in a long, rattling breath, and an intense cold sweeps over all of them. Harry's eyes roll back into his head, and he feels like he's drowning in cold. Off in the distance, he hears a terrible, terrified scream, and the next second, someone is slapping his face. The movie section finishes up with the conversation Mr. Weasley has with Harry. He makes Harry swear that whatever he might hear, he won't go looking for black. The camera focuses on Harry's confused face as he says, Mr. Weasley, why would I go looking for someone who wants to kill me? The scene transitions to Mrs. Weasley holding scabbers and running through the crowd at the train station, barely getting him to run as the train pulls away. Everyone is calling out by and waving as she yells, Don't lose him! The camera shifts to the trio looking for a compartment on the train. As Harry is explaining that he didn't mean to blow her up, he just lost control. Ron thinks it's brilliant, but Hermione tells him that it isn't funny, and he's lucky not to be expelled. Harry adds on that he thinks he's lucky he wasn't arrested, actually. Hermione finds a compartment with only one other person in it, and leads them into that one, saying everywhere else is full. A man is sleeping under his jacket, and as they sit down, Ron asks who they think he is. Hermione says Professor R.J. Lupin, and Ron wants to know how she knows everything. She explains that his name is on his suitcase. Harry wonders if he's really asleep so he can tell them what Mr. Weasley told him. He closes the compartment door. Cutting to a rainy exterior shot of the Hogwarts Express as it chugs along the track, the camera pans back into the trio's compartment as Ron is clarifying Harry's information. 
saying that Black escaped from Azkaban to come after Harry. Hermione asks for reassurance that they will catch Black, since everyone is looking for him, and Ron points out that no one has ever broken out from Azkaban before, and he's a murderous, raving lunatic. Harry sarcastically thanks Ron for that information, and the train begins to slow. Hermione wants to know why they are stopping, because they can't be there yet, and Harry opens the compartment door and looks out. Kids up and down the train are peering out of their compartments when the train suddenly lurches and throws Harry back into his seat. The door closes again, and Ron asks what's going on. Harry thinks they've broken down. The lights go out, and Ron accidentally steps on Hermione's foot while trying to look out the window. He puts his hand against the glass and says there's something moving out there, and something is coming aboard. The train lurches again, and Hermione looks scared as the air turns cold and her breath becomes visible. Ron still has his hand against the window as it starts to frost over, and their water bottles freeze. He says bloody hell as the train jolts again and a creepy cloaked silhouette glides up to their frosted compartment door. A skeletal hand reaches for the handle and magically gestures it open, revealing a haunting, cloaked, and hooded figure. The gray, rotting hand grasps the door as it opens the rest of the way. Hermione gasps. Crookshanks hisses, and Scabbers hides as it stands up to its full height in the doorway and looks around the compartment. It focuses on Harry and begins to inhale a thin, smoky aura being pulled from Harry's face. Professor Lupin suddenly wakes up and points his wand at the creature. A cold, bright light emanates from the tip of it and drives the creature away as the camera focuses on Harry as a high-pitched voice screams his name. It zooms into Harry's pupil and transitions to black. Since we try to keep our episodes under an hour, we split Chapter 5 and the corresponding movie scenes into two parts because there's a lot going on here. Mm -hmm. Because of how the movie streamlined things, there are some definite differences from the book to the film. Yeah, we had to cut off last week's scene mid-conversation between Harry and Mr. Weasley. Harry had just acknowledged that Sirius Black had escaped Azkaban to kill him. End scene. Except the scene didn't actually end there. It did not. <laughs> we just cut it there since the very next line specifically happens in the next chapter, and still gave a fairly clean cut despite being streamlined. The book starts out on the morning they head back to Hogwarts. Everyone gets all their belongings loaded into the Ministry loan cars and heads to King's Cross Station. Mr. Weasley insists that Harry goes through the barrier with him to keep an eye on him, and then asks for a word with him after he gets his stuff loaded on the train. Which is very similar to how the movie had Mr. Weasley pull Harry aside, just in different locations. Yeah, honestly, even the way the book described the way he pulled Harry over behind a pillar to get more privacy sounded very similar to how the movie filmed it. Mm-hmm. Aside from location, the biggest difference was that Harry had already overheard the news and Mr. Weasley didn't actually have to directly tell him. He also assumes that Harry must be very scared, but Harry actually feels pretty nonchalant about it, saying that Sirius Black can't be worse than Voldemort. Which also ties right into the film scene, since Harry had used Voldemort's name when Mr. Weasley was talking about how Black lost everything when you know who was defeated. But he paused a little, so Harry just filled in the blank for him, saying Voldemort, and that caused Mr. Weasley to flat out tell him not to say his name. So the movie definitely kept the essence of the book, even if it did streamline things and shift the order a bit. But at this point of the book, Mr. Weasley asks Harry to promise he won't go looking for Black. Harry wants to know why he would go looking for someone who wants to kill him. 
This right here is where the movie scene starts up. Since immediately after Harry says Black wants to kill him, Mr. Weasley asks Harry to promise that whatever he might hear, he won't go looking for Black, and Harry asks the same question. Why would I go looking for someone who wants to kill me? Because, I don't know, you've literally done it every other year so far, dumbass. Like, damn. (laughs) In the book, they all get on the train, and after Harry tells Ron and Hermione everything about Sirius Black being after him, Hermione tells him not to go looking for trouble. Harry responds by saying he doesn't go looking for trouble. Trouble just finds him. Yeah, finds him while he's meddling. Oh yeah, there's no way he's completely innocent in the trouble-finding category. Mm -mm. But in the book, this is the conversation they have as soon as they find a mostly empty compartment to sit in and Ron rudely tells his sister to go away. Movie is pretty similar to this as well. There are a few minor changes... One is the added scene of Mrs. Weasley running through the crowd holding scabbers and screaming, Ron! Ron! Don't forget your plot point! Because, as we already mentioned, Ron can't seem to keep an eye on his damn rat. (laughs) Don't forget your plot point. (laughs) It definitely would have changed the story had Ron lost scabbers. Right? Seriously. But I do love the foreshadowing of Molly telling Ron not to lose him. Yeah, it's a really nice subtle touch to the film that the book didn't really have. Mm -hmm. Then the other difference is one we talked about last week, how the movie shifted around the conversations a little bit. And as the trio were on the train and heading to a compartment, they have the conversation about how Harry lost control and blew up his aunt, which Ron finds funny, of course, prompting Hermione to say he's lucky he wasn't expelled and Harry to say he's lucky he wasn't arrested. Which is basically word for word to the conversation they had in the previous book chapter when they were walking to the magical menagerie. So it just changed the timing of when it happened. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Plus, you gotta love that throwback about Hermione and her priorities, you know, vis-a-vis getting expelled versus getting arrested or dying. She needs to sort out her priorities. Right. But then after that, the book and the movie lines up fairly well for the rest of this half of the section. Of course, there is and always will be the basic dramatization of the film scenes. Plus, the movie did cut out some minor details from the book to streamline things, but, I mean, that's pretty much the norm at this point, no? Yeah, in both, the trio find a compartment that is mostly empty save for an adult wizard who is sitting asleep in the corner of one in the back of the train. The book specifically describes him as looking shabby, ill, and exhausted, and I think the movie portrays that pretty well. Yeah, we don't see much of it at first, since he's predominantly just under his coat asleep. But when he does get up later, it's more apparent. In both, Ron wonders who the man is, and Hermione tells him that it's Professor R.J. Lupin. In both, she knows this because it's on his suitcase. Well, in the book, it just says case. Yeah, the movie says suitcase. Plus, it adds in a line from Ron wondering how Hermione knows everything, and she gives a slightly exasperated, It's on his suitcase, Ronald. I don't know why, because... I don't think it ever happens in the book, but I love that the movie has Hermione call him Ronald. Mm-hmm. Especially when she's kind of annoyed with him. Mm-hmm. But in the book, she just points out that the case says Professor R.J. Lupin without anyone asking first. R.J. sounds so posh and, like, unlupin-like. R.J. old chap. R.J. my good man. Top joy, R.J. old bean. <laughs> it really does. Because <laughs> now I'm hearing it in Prince John's voice. From Robin Hood, PJ, (laughs) except it's RJ. I like that. Do you know that I do? (laughs) 
put it on my luggage. <laughs> oh, RJ. Hmm. RJ. <laughs> Speaking of luggage, though, why would Lupin's suitcase say professor? Like, I'm just really curious about his life before this because of that one little detail. Right? Was he ever a professor before? Mm-hmm. It's not like he would have had the money to buy it new upon getting the job. The book says it's stamped on in peeling letters, so it doesn't sound new. Right? Like, has he just been a traveling teacher all these years? Or, I don't know, maybe he got that as, like, a graduation gift and never got to use it until now. I don't know. Like, ugh, I just, I want an origin story of Lupin. Like, right now. Like, I want it now. Now. I would love an origin story of Lupin. Mm-hmm. A Marauder's story in general would be so amazing. Yes! Yes! <laughs> it sounds like a good Potter pondering, too. Oh, yeah. I'd love to know what our keepers think about the mysterious case of Professor R.J. Lupin. Professor R.J. I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Don't worry. <laughs> Another difference is that the book also has Ron wonder what he teaches, and Hermione points out that it's obvious, since there's only one vacancy, so it must be Defense Against the Dark Arts. Then we get another little reminder that the job is rumored to be jinxed, and Ron says he hopes he's up to it, since it looks like one good hex would finish him off. He then changes the subject, asking what it was that Harry was going to tell them. In the movie, after Hermione points out Professor R.J. Lupin is on his case, Harry wonders if he's really asleep because he has to tell them something. Which is basically how it happens in the book. Just minor changes. Like, book Harry isn't really worried about Lupin's presence on the train. Yeah, don't worry about the homeless dude on the train filled with children. Not at all. That's no worry at all. In the movie, he just closes the door and tells Ron and Hermione all about Sirius Black being after him. I mean, seriously, Harry, just... Feel free to talk about whatever you want. I'm sure he's legitimately sleeping and there's no possible way he could wake up and hear anything that you're saying. Not at all. No, no way. Well, in the book, he was definitely out. Because as the trio are discussing Sirius Black, Ron notices a noise coming from Harry's trunk and checks it to find the pocket sneakoscope that he'd sent him for his birthday. It was lighting up, spinning, and whistling, and still never woke Lupin. Maybe it was lighting up and spinning because he was faking it. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> they obviously couldn't include that in the movie since we never saw Harry receive the sneakoscope. But the trio does discuss what Harry told them about Black after a time lapse scene transition when it cuts away from Harry closing the compartment door. Then back as Ron is clarifying that Black escaped from Azkaban to come after Harry. This is a pretty classic way to show that time has passed and imply a conversation was held without full-on repeating the information. In both the book and the movie, Hermione and Ron seem to be taking it way harder than Harry actually did. How is Ron so surprised that Harry's in danger again? Like, dude, have you been paying attention at all the last two years? Like, where have you been? Come on. Seriously, you'd think by the fourth time someone was hanging around trying to kill Harry, Ron would just be like, dude, get in line. <laughs> Admittedly, it's a short line consisting of Voldemort times two and another form of Voldemort. <laughs> but if Black is trying to kill him too, that is sort of like three people and is actually starting to become a line. More of a cue, really. I just wanted to say cue. <laughs> Anyways... 
In both, Hermione is hopeful that they will catch him, since everyone is out looking for him. And I'm actually surprised that they, like, they let Ron keep the line about no one ever escaping from Azkaban before. Because that totally sounds like something that Hermione should know all about. All about. I know you can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes. Yeah, all about. Yeah, that is completely the kind of line they would take from Ron and give to Hermione. Mm-hmm. And it was originally his line in the book, too. Though he actually mentions it before Hermione hopes they will catch him. Mm. It's also worth noting that I think the movie did this line even better because in the book, Ron was more nervous about the fact that no one knows how he got out since he was a top security prisoner and no one's ever done it before. But in movie Ron? Movie Ron just nonchalantly throws it out there that no one has ever escaped before and he's a murderous raving lunatic. <laughs> yeah, Harry's deadpan. Thanks, Ron really just brings me all kinds of joy (laughs) that's what i'm saying that's not how it happened in the book but it was so much better right then it's at this point of the book where the whole sneakoscope thing happens and ron mentions that it was a cheap one that went haywire just as he was tying it to errol's leg to send to harry which is technically shady since he wasn't supposed to send errol on long journeys like that and as we know from chapter one he barely survived it I really wish they could have worked it in here. Mm-hmm. It's such a subtle piece of foreshadowing and a red herring rolled into one. Yep. It could make you think that there's something wrong with the sneakoscope. It could make you think that the homeless man sleeping on the train is the shady one. Or not really sleeping on the train, as you said before. Yeah. But we'll end up talking more about this later. In the meantime, Harry just tells Ron to put it back in his trunk so it doesn't wake Lupin. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. (laughs) And Ron shoves it in a pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks and closes it back in the trunk. He then suggests that they can get it checked in Hogsmeade because they sell that sort of thing at Dervish and Banjis, or Dervish and Bangs, or whatever it is supposed (laughs) to be. We are taking our best guess here. Mm -hmm. I went with Banjis because that's what they say in the audiobook. I went with bangs because I'm lazy, and that's just how I've always read it. (laughs) So there. Forget that syllable. We don't need them. We're American. (laughs) Either way, however you say it or spell it or however, that was our trivia question. So that's good times. Yay! (laughs) However, none of that happens in the movie. After Harry's deadpan, thanks Ron, the train starts to slow, prompting Hermione to wonder why they are stopping, since they can't be there yet. This is straight from the book chapter but there are several more pages before we get to that part. The movie completely cuts out all of the conversation about Hogsmeade, where Hermione is trying to talk about the interesting history of the place, and Ron just completely ignores her and goes on and on and on about the sweet shop honeydukes. (laughs) I actually would have loved to see that conversation come alive. Like, I feel like it could have been really, really funny. What with the tension between Ron and Hermione about the cat and the rat and everything else already. (laughs) yeah yeah Hermione likes history Ron likes candy that's it (laughs) opposites attract yeah it also cuts out the part where Harry tells them that he won't be able to go to Hogsmeade since the Dursleys didn't sign his form and Fudge won't either yeah that will get referenced later since obviously he isn't allowed to go but the movie didn't make as big of a thing about it this early on and in the book it was basically Harry's top priority number one get to Hogsmeade number two Buy a firebolt. Number three, metal. Number four, hang out with Ron and Hermione. Number five, don't get killed. Hermione would be really upset that don't get expelled isn't anywhere on that list. (laughs) 
Ron's would probably have get to Honeydukes on there at least twice. His would be number one, overshadow his brothers. Then two through five, get to Honeydukes. <laughs> <laughs> Hermione's would probably be number one, don't get expelled. Then two through five, go to the library. <laughs> she needs to sort out her priorities. <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> The movie also cuts out some more tension between Ron and Hermione and near drama between Scabbers and Crookshanks when Hermione decides to let her cat out of his basket and he immediately springs towards Ron's knees and causes Scabbers to tremble in his pocket. He shoves Crookshanks away, which makes Hermione angry, and somehow Lupin still sleeps through all of it. In general, the movie didn't really play up the Crookshanks-Scabbers aspect of the story. It was another subtle clue that was kind of barely hinted at in the film yeah i guess when you have as many layers as this book has some things just can't make it to the film mm -hmm. especially the parts that just add some fun color because a big chunk of the middle part of this chapter was completely left out i feel like i'm getting repetitive here the movie also left out it also <laughs> left out it also left out don't forget when it left out right but really, the movie also left out the food trolley witch show up, which came with some extra color about actively trying to wake Lupin up to no avail. He must have looked really sickly, because when they can't wake him, Ron starts thinking that he might have died, and Hermione actually checks to make sure he's breathing. <laughs> <laughs> right? But despite being basically comatose, he's actually pretty useful when Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle show up to sneer at them, until they noticed Lupin asleep in the corner and decided against picking a fight right under a teacher's nose. Even though he probably would have just slept right through it. <laughs> probably. He sleeps through everything else, mm -hmm. including the violent gesture that Ron makes referencing what he's going to do to Malfoy's head if he makes one more crack about his family. <laughs> then we get to the part where the train starts to slow down. Ron thinks they're nearly there and comments on how starving he is. Because... You know, Ron. It's his secret. He's always hungry. Mm-hmm. But Hermione does say that they can't be there yet, and the book and the movie line up again for the moment. In both, Harry gets up to look into the corridor, and all along the carriage, heads were peering out of the compartments, curious about what was going on. Then the train stops with a sudden jolt, and I want to know what spell is on that bottle that's sitting on that little table thing, because I need it for my toddler's cup so I don't get knocked over all the time. That would be quite useful. Mm-hmm. Shit, I'm such a klutz. I could use that for myself. Seriously, the train lurches hard enough to knock Harry on his ass, but that bottle doesn't go anywhere. In the book, Harry isn't actually knocked on his ass when the train lurches like that. He's still at the door and all the lamps go out. Then Ron tries to come up behind him, accidentally stepping on Hermione's foot, and Harry has to feel his way back to his seat. The lights go out in the movie, too, and the conversation during this is pretty similar. But... Someone please explain the ouch, Ron, that was my footline to me, because, I'm sorry, Emma, not only is it terribly delivered, but Ron was nowhere near her goddamn foot. Yeah, they had him accidentally step on her foot as he was going to look out the window, which didn't really put him in the stepping-on range of her foot, though it was a direct reference to the book. The movie veers off from the book again at this point, likely in another effort to streamline things. They just have Ron put his hand on the window in a super unnatural way, saying there's something moving out there and that something is coming on board. He does say that part in the book, while looking out the window and everything, but he's interrupted by Neville's arrival, who opens their compartment door and trips over Harry's legs. 
Apparently that no-spilling spell should be cast on Neville as well. Poor Neville. Also, that rhymes. <laughs> but then poor Neville again when Harry tells him to sit down and he tries to sit on Crookshanks. Actually, this whole section is basically just a Three Stooges episode because Hermione <laughs> decides to get up and go ask the driver what's going on and ends up running right into Ginny, who's looking for Ron. They tell her to come in and sit down and she apparently nearly sits on Harry because he says, not here, I'm here, and steps on Neville or something because he says, ouch. And finally, Professor Lupin wakes up. Finally! Though that's not how it happened in the movie. Like, at all. Aside from Ron stepping on Hermione's foot, there's no real Three Stooges moment there. Right? It's like they blew their load on the night bus scene because there was a serious scarcity of slapstick symphony in this scene. Wow. Well done. <laughs> you have no idea how much I practiced that. <laughs> I can guess. Serious scarcity of slapstick symphony. Neville and Ginny don't ever show up. The train just lurches again as the air turns so cold that the windows frost over, the water bottle freezes, and Hermione's breath becomes visible. The whole time Ron is just unnaturally holding his hand against the window. Though it admittedly does make for a great visual when all the lights on the train go out and all you can see is Ron's hand on the window from the outside. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm sure that's why they did that, but it was kind of awkward leading up to it. Yeah. But... He then gets to utter what is basically Ron Weasley's catchphrase of the series, Bloody hell. Bloody hell. He really does say that a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's completely apropos for the moment, because the train jolts again, and this super creepy cloaked silhouette glides up to their frosted compartment door, reaches towards the handle with a skeletal-looking hand, and magically opens it. This is different from how the book had it, since Lupin is already awake, but I can't even be mad about it. It's such a horrifyingly perfect portrayal of the Dementors. I love the way they did the Dementors. Apparently the Dementor puppets were filmed underwater to give their cloaks that flowy appearance, and I think that's fucking genius. Plus, the sound effects team on this movie deserve a goddamn Oscar. Yeah, it was definitely brilliant. And still fairly true to the book, since it does describe a cloaked figure hidden beneath a hood with a grayish, slimy, and scab-looking hand. Which is exactly what grasps the door to open it the rest of the way, causing Hermione to gasp, Crookshanks to hiss, and Scabbers to scurry into Ron's jacket. The Dementor then begins sucking face with Harry, and this is the point of the movie that Lupin finally wakes up, jumping up like a tattered, threadbare superhero. He points his wand at the Dementor and a cold, bright light drives it away. The camera focuses back on Harry as a high-pitched voice screams his name, then zooms into Harry's pupil and transitions to black. And this is where we cut part one of this movie section. This was a pretty good visual depiction of what the book described. The main difference, as I already mentioned, was that Lupin was already awake. He filled the compartment with light, holding a handful of flames, and told Harry, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, and Neville to stay where they were as he approached the door, which slid open before he could reach it. A towering cloaked creature stood in the doorway. It began to draw in a slow, rattling breath, and an intense cold swept over all of them. Harry could feel the cold deeper than his skin inside his very heart. His eyes rolled up into his head, and he could hear far away pleading screams. He wanted to help them, but he couldn't move, and the next second, someone was slapping his face. 
And this is where we ended the first half of Chapter 5, The Dementor. And where the story really starts to get even darker. Because those Dementors are fucking creepy. Seriously. But this is where we will end the compare and contrast for this week's episode. We did technically meet a new actor with David Thewlis as Professor R.J. Lupin. R.J. Ah! 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 But as he barely did anything for this section, we'll just push talking about him into next week's episode. So that will bring us to this week's Potter Ponderings. We actually have two this time. Based on Lupin's case that says Professor R.J. Lupin, do you think Lupin was a teacher in the past or maybe intended on becoming a teacher? Also, what do you think about how the movie portrayed the Dementors? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. We look forward to reading them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Claire Turner. She writes, Hi, Ellen and Katie. Hi, Claire. My name is Claire Turner, and I'm from Vancouver in Canada. My house is Hufflepuff, my wand is silver lime wood with a unicorn hair core, ten and three quarters inches, and quite bendy flexibility, and my Patronus is a red squirrel. Because I wasn't born until 1999, I don't remember when I first heard or read Harry Potter. I remember my cousin having the Gryffindor cloaks and getting the midnight book launch for the last book for us and not being allowed to read the sixth book until I was in grade three. I always had a hard time watching sad or even slightly scary moments in movies, and my dad wanted to protect me. But Harry Potter was always the exception. I read the books over and over. The last time I counted, I was in the fourth grade, and had read them all 14 times. I role-played with a childhood friend at her house. Her mom was Dobby, making us food. Her dad would be Snape, as he has a super low voice. I played Ginny, who is my favorite character. She played a dragon, and her little brother was Pigwidgeon. <laughs> her mom eventually organized a Harry Potter-themed sleepaway camp for our Girl Guides group. That's awesome. Right? We had potions classes, a sorting ceremony, and made our own wands. That's friggin' neat. God, I want that. Right? <laughs> Can we do that for my right? next birthday? <laughs> yes. <laughs> My family and friends have always been awesome when it came to fueling my love of the franchise. My brother's birthday present for me for the last four movies was the DVD. He didn't need to wrap them because I always knew what it was. He also gave me the Harry Potter 1 through 4 seen it, but we don't play much anymore because it's a bit of a given that I'll win. (laughs) But my mom plays with me to humor me sometimes. My aunt took me to Harry Potter World in Orlando in 2015, and it was my favorite trip I've ever been on. I got to do the wand choosing ceremony because I was the oldest kid there, and seeing all the little secrets they put in was so much fun. I hope to go back soon with a friend of mine. My friends still find little trinkets for me and send me fanfiction, headcanons, or cool fan art. Those are good friends. Right? The first thing I did in quarantine was reread the books and do a movie marathon with my parents. Thanks so much for making this podcast. I've been looking for one like it for a while, so it was really nice to find yours. Much love, Claire. Damn, she's adorable. Aww. <laughs> Much love back, Claire. Yeah. I'm so glad you're enjoying our podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing your Sorting Hat story. If you have not yet shared your Sorting Hat story with us, please do, because we need one for every week, for every episode, and we're getting down to the end of our list. So send them to us so we can share it on a future episode. Yeah, and plus, you'll get an entry into the raffle that way, too. Yeah. 
and let us know your house, your wand, the wood, core, and length, your Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to tell us. That will bring us to this week's trivia question, which is, what was the name of the professor who used to teach care of magical creatures before Hagrid takes over? The prize for the first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag who else would assign a biting book <laughs> will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, a just keep rolling, that's not how it happened in the book, that's not how it happened in the movie, or a pride sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you are an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. We are also in the process of uploading all of our episodes to our new YouTube channel. In addition to our episodes, we will be sharing blooper reels, vlogs, other random videos, and eventually our Harry Potter cooking show. <laughs> so make sure you subscribe to us there. Mm-hmm. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. If you've never been on Patreon before, the way it works is we created several different tiers starting at $2 a month. The perks that you get are based off of the tier that you're in, and every patron gets access to our patron-only Facebook group, which gets you information early, extra conversations, and some other bonus materials. If that's something that you think you'd be able to help us with, please check it out. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, so we can keep bringing more content and perks your way. You can also go to our website at justkeeprolling.com to check out our Just Keep Rolling and Harry Potter-related merchandise for sale, as well as find the links to all of the various places you can listen to our podcast and follow us on social media, etc., etc., etc. Etc., 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 and as a reminder, if you haven't already, make sure you email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com or message us on Facebook to let us know you want to be entered in the raffle and tell us what actions you've completed and we can add you right to the raffle. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 5, The Dementor and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling. Thank you.